Did you know Super Awesome Mix has an app? Go to the Apple App Store today and download Super Awesome Mix. It's free. You could start creating and sending your own digital mixtapes in just a few clicks. Also, there's links to our Instagram account and a link where you can follow your favorite podcast. Speaking of which... Welcome back to another Super Awesome Mix. My name is Matt Sidholm, alongside my co-host and co-founder of Super Awesome Mix, Samar Abusalbi. Samar, how are we doing this week? <laughs> I really like the enthusiasm in that, that one. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really trying something new, just really trying to build it up, you know, looking for my signature line. So, I, Yeah, I felt it. I felt it. Um, I know. I'm kind of jealous. I need like a signature intro. I don't think that I have one yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe mine is just all about the weather it's like oh my god he won't stop talking about the weather every week with this on one about the weather <laughs> you know but that's what local news does now right it's like local right. news opens up in any city you're in and they're like hey let's go to skip with a quick check on weather you know <laughs> and then they're like i'll right. be back in 18 minutes with more weather and then they get back <laughs> to the depressing local news so yeah right and it, it almost doesn't even matter whether it's hot or cold or whatever's going on. It's just always like, oh, we got something big coming for you this weekend. Like <laughs> um, yeah. in the yeah. weather world, then, it's ooh, always the like five that. Day forecast really like they always <laughs> are looking for something to kind of just highlight. Right. Yeah. When in reality, it's just like, yeah, it's going to be mild. It's, it's well, it's about what you expect, right? Like it's right. very rare that I'm like, this weather pattern is just completely unexpected you know like in texas it's <laughs> right. generally hot and now it's not as hot right exactly. i guess yeah you know, we, we had some snow last year but but anyway <laughs> but, but i digress Let, let's talk about what we're gonna let, let's talk about our mix this week i suppose we should yes so we've got we've had this request i don't know if it's been a request but i think we've alluded to this a couple of times uh through season one um, talking about cover songs. And so we thought we'd put together a mix of cover songs, but I thought you had a great idea for how we should go about doing this. Yes. Um, as I normally do um, in terms of ideas, I <laughs> they're just always so great, so inspired. Um... <laughs> I work off of volume, just a lot of ideas. And then one's right. bound to stick, right? Right, yeah. Mine is... You know, mine is like more of a, let's say like a BMW approach. You don't make as many, but they're all really good. Um, <laughs> all right. So yeah, so my idea this week, because we've been talking about covers a lot, was why don't we actually just pair up the songs? So what we each did is that we picked a song that was originally done by one, you know, one group or one musician. And then we picked the cover that we... Um, that we have also heard. And I think in most cases we, you know, we'll see whether we prefer the cover or the original, but that's going to be like our discussion is we'll introduce the two groups that sang the same song and then kind of like have a discussion on, you know, who did it better? Like, is the original actually still better than any of the covers or did the cover just completely blow it out of the water? So if you um, find the mix on Spotify, which of course you can always do in our show notes, and um, on Apple Music and YouTube Music as well, you'll notice that there are 24 songs, but it's just 12 pairs sticking to our, our tried and true formula there. 
that's right. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Um, starting off with your pick, you went with This Must Be The Place. The original was by Talking Heads. And then you had a cover by Kishibashi. And Kishibashi is one artist that um, was on your Desert Island mix. And you kind of hold, you know, you really carry the flag for Kishibashi, I feel like. Like, you're really bringing it to the masses. Um, but I, I enjoy his work, but it's mainly because of you that I've been introduced to him. Yeah. I, well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, in fact, funny enough, I, I sent him a message on Instagram, one, like, recently. And he actually replied, and it was just, like, the greatest day of my life. Um, <laughs> because a lot... A lot of times, you know, these artists and musicians, like they'll, you know, you send them a message and either like a team runs it or they just don't even get it or they'll never, you know, they'll never open it. But he actually replied, um, which was really exciting. And it just felt like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So now I'm even a bigger fan of his because he's like a real human and he's a really cool dude. And, and his Instagram <laughs> is, is really fun to uh, it's really fun to follow. That is um, great. Yeah. So anyway, to the music here. Um, this is funny enough. So I have also mentioned, uh, before that, you know, whenever I got into mixtapes again, it was last year during 2020, uh, during like the pandemic started dating. Um, cause again, I mentioned this recently on another podcast we just recorded. I figured, you know, what a better time to start dating than right during a pandemic. <laughs> no better time. Um, no better time. No better time. You know, all the, all the rules and restrictions in place is really perfect. Um, I think the introvert in me was actually kind of really happy about that because it's like no i just need to text you for like a really long time before we meet um <laughs> but <laughs> one of the ways that we bonded was through um through sharing playlists with each other so long story short she um put this song the uh this must be the place by the talking heads on her mix to me because it's actually one of her all-time favorite songs and it was funny because i had this experience of pressing play on it and I was like, I know this song. Why does this sound so familiar to me? Because my first, and I don't know, this is probably rare that this happens, but my first time ever hearing the song was the version by Kishibashi. Because when Kishibashi was introduced to me, like a couple of years ago, I went through, you know, he doesn't have like a huge discography. So I was able to listen to literally every song he's ever put out. And he did a cover of this song. And I just love it because, you know, if you haven't listened to his work, um, you know, definitely check out this one. He does a lot of violin play. He plays the violin himself and he just does these beautiful loops with him and his vocals on top of it. Um, and so I just think his take on it is gorgeous. It's, you know, it's tried and true to the original song, but it's just like a really kind of like delightful version of it that takes away like a lot of the, uh, you know, like a lot of the kind of synth work that's really heavy in, in the original. Um, so that's that's why I picked this one to kick us off. That's really funny, and it, it won't surprise me. I think that's going to come up again in this mix, and generally with cover songs, the fun part is hearing either version, right? Like maybe you're hearing the cover song, and and you know you you like that song, and then you realize, oh wait, it's another song. So that that definitely right. happened to me just listening to this mix. But I think it's something everybody can relate to for sure. Uh, but I agree. I thought this was I, it's a great Talking Head song. But I really like what Kishibashi did just with different instrumentation. And you're right, just the strings in it. And it just sounds, it just sounds really beautiful. I, I don't know, but that's just the tendency I have with strings is that it's like, wow, right. what, a, what a beautiful sound. Um, so he makes it different in that sense. Like it's very similar from a cadence and length standpoint. You know, it's nothing drastically different. But I think by just using different instruments, I, I think that's what really sets his apart from the Talking Heads version. 
Yeah, I agree. It, it is a really like nice treatment. And, and I think a lot of my songs, um, I'll end up saying that same thing too. It's just like, you know, they stick to kind of the core purpose or, or like theme of the song, but by removing a lot of the, you know, like instrumentation, they, they find something completely different with it. Um, but with that, let us go to your first pick, which was Do Ya, uh, originally by Electric Like or- Orchestra. And then you went with a cover um, by Neil Nathan. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I love ELO, even though I think this is their first appearance on any of our mixes. But I think they're great. They've got so many great songs. And their version of Do Ya is just so high energy. And right. I remember watching, um, I didn't finish this series, but I remember watching the show Californication on Showtime mm-hmm. years ago. And there was an episode and this starts playing in the back or I think maybe it was through the credits, but it took me a second to even realize what the song was because, you know, Do Ya by ELO is just such a big, powerful, high energy song. And then Neil Nathan's version is completely stripped down, acoustic guitar, much slower, and so so drastically different. But, you know, I, I like what he does with it because this is really a song about, you know, admiring someone, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, really being uh, in awe of them. And uh, you don't necessarily, you get that a little bit from the ELO version, but there's so much energy, I think it gets lost a little bit. And I think Neil Nathan does a good job of stripping it down and making it really emphasizing kind of the sweetness of the lyrics. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I prefer the um, the Neil Nathan version, um, which was done in 2008 versus the original in 1976. It's kind of amazing. Like some of these have really large gaps, um, you know, to just take that kind of same piece of music and just reimagine it, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later. Um, I'm also just really blown away by that thought of, you know, it's like no better way to kind of capture how music and, and just like the zeitgeist changes through time than having like an old song and then just like doing it again, like 30 years later and just seeing how, you know, how music is, is kind of like enjoyed today. So yeah, I, that's really cool. I didn't know that it came from, um, I was going to ask you like, how did you discover this Neil Nathan version? But I guess it was from Californication. Um, yeah cool. and I mean looking up I kind of did a deep dive I was like well, what else has he done and he's kind of best known for this cover song and it was because that got featured on the show and nice you know all of that so that seems to be his standout song but um yeah he did a really good job of it agreed so, good job Neil Nathan <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get Neil Nathan on the podcast huh let's, let's do it let's do it sign him <laughs> All right, next up, you go with, and this is, this. I, I think we have a series of songs kind of in this category where the cover is maybe more well-known than the original, but right. the song is Hurt, and of course the original is Nine Inch Nails, and then the cover version is Johnny Cash. Yes, um, I loved, like... I love the Johnny Cash version and I love Nine Inch Nails. I, I like, you know, listen to a lot of like, um, NIN. I, am I, do people, would anyone ever shorten it to NIN or <laughs> do they only ever say Nine Inch Nails? Shows NIN, right. Right. Gonna, while I have not had extensive conversations about Nine Inch Nails, I don't think I've ever heard anyone <laughs> refer to them as NIN. Yeah. I don't think so either. So, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to lead the pack on this. So this is a very unofficial nickname just for everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, very, it's unofficial. very unofficial. 
So when I'm listening to NIN, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I uh, I really love Nine Inch Nails. I you know I love Trent Reznor. I think he's like a musical genius, especially as like as a producer. Um, and so it's, it's it kind of pains me a little bit to not pick their version of anything. But what I find so interesting, you know, that song is like kind of lo-fi in a way. Just it sounds almost like the track is like broken and scratched and it's you know it really adds to this like creepiness to it um which is great with of course the you know the really powerful lyrics and then what i find so amazing about the johnny cash version is that he just like does all of that with just his voice you know like he can just capture the entire mood of that and like the darkness to it with with just his voice and it's just like it really speaks to his power as a, as a singer as a musician to be able to take such a complex track and again just strip it down um, and with his, you know, his like gravitas, um, just be able to like produce a song that's so powerful. And, and like you said, um, arguably, you know, way more well-known than the original, um, Nine Inch Nails version. So yeah, so I had to go with this one and I'm going to pick the Johnny Cash version for sure. I would go with the Johnny Cash version as well. Um, because I think this song, when you get into the lyrics, it's such a song of regret, and mm-hmm. I think his voice being a little bit older and more like maybe gravelly a little bit, yeah, just really does a great job of conveying that. And so I, I, I'm totally with you on the voice being the big, like kind of the tiebreaker, if you will, here. That that's what uh, that's what leaned towards. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing song, and, and you're right, Tres- Trent Reznor's great. But uh, I, yeah, I would go with the Johnny Cash version here just because of how, how haunting his voice sounds. Yeah, absolutely. I have like a voice crush on him, um, I, <laughs> which is also a new thing that I'm, I'm going to put out there. So <laughs> a voice crush. God, we're a really, voice crush. you just came up with two terms in one like kind of song review. So that's a pretty good clip you're on. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. See how, keep this going. Um all right, your next pick is one I'm actually so happy you put on um, because <laughs> I loved the cover version of this way more than I loved the original. But you went with Smooth Criminal, um, of course, sung by Michael Jackson. But then the cover that um, I grew up really listening to over and over again by Alien Ant Farm. Yeah. Does, does anybody call them AAF, do you think? <laughs> you know... <laughs> They're they're going to now. Yeah, they are now. <laughs> yep, that just became a nickname. <laughs> so yeah, at first when I heard, you know, Smooth Criminal came out, you know, around 1988, I think on the Bad album uh, from mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, and it was a big hit. And and really the video was what stood out, I think, more than the song. It's kind of this epic video, and there's kind of this full version that I think is like 15 minutes long or something like that, with a huge dance sequence in the middle. So so that's pretty cool, but. I was a little surprised to hear it pop on the radio with Alien Ant Farm's version, you know, probably 20 years later. Um, And at first I was like, why are they remaking this song? But Mm -hmm. then I heard it a couple times because it was on the radio everywhere. It still gets radio play. And I, I loved what they did with the guitar replacing the heavy synthesizer in the Michael Jackson version. And I just thought it was a really cool take on it when, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. They don't do anything drastically different lyrically or kind of rhythmically, but I think the guitar replacing the uh, synthesizer makes a massive difference. It really does. Um, it is incredible that like they took 
you know, this like pop 80s, um, you know, Michael Jackson song and turn it into just like a really good rock song for the early 2000s um, that got a lot of playtime next to like this was like around that time of just an explosion of this kind of sound, like All American Rejects and Everclear and like yeah. all these other bands. Yeah. Um you know, where it was just kind of like rock was, was, or, or like pop rock or alt rock was really like coming into its own. Um, and so like, I think they're kind of genius for taking, taking this song in particular, like it works so well as a, as like a rock version of it. So yeah, I loved this one. It got a lot of playtime for me. Um, I was in high school when this was, this was out. And so I remember one summer as I would normally do, um, I just had this song on repeat all the time and played video games to it. So that was uh, a lot of fun. So good memories. I was really happy that, that you added it because it's, it's a good cover for sure. Now I agree. I agree. Um, so next up, you go with We Can Work It Out. The original, of course, The Beatles. And then the cover was done by Stevie Wonder. Yes. Um, so a quick backstory, a shout out to a podcast that we're actually going to be a guest on here soon at the time of this recording, um, which is Rate the Beatles. Um, so he and his wife are literally rating every single Beatles song and every single episode is the next song. So we got to, um, you know, be invited and, and be guests on the song. We can work it out. And as part of our discussion, we were just, you know, we all arrived at the conclusion that the Stevie Wonder version just completely blows the Beatles version out of the water. Like there's just, there's no competition between these two. And, and so much so that after recording that episode, I had to put it on our covers mix this one because, <laughs> because it just had to be, it, it needs to be known even more if it's not already known. Um, so if you've not heard, you know, the Stevie Wonder version of We Can Work It Out, it is, it's just amazing it's amazing what he did with it um you know and you mentioned like he's got uh this like great solo in the middle of it that really changes up i think like he captures the mood a lot better for the lyrics and like we discussed on, on that recording um it just almost seemed like the beatles just didn't really like get it like get what they were singing in the same you know they're the beatles they can like record just about anything it's going to be a number one single our number one um hit uh, so I think like kudos to Stevie Wonder for like taking that element of, again, a, a good song and just turning it into something like completely different and really great. Well, and how good does a cover song have to be to overshadow the Beatles original version? Right. right? <laughs> yeah. And this I was know, a right? number one hit for the Beatles. So even though, you know, on when we were guests on Ranking the Beatles, talking to Jonathan, we kind of came to the conclusion it's it's not in the, you know, upper... Uh, upper echelon of Beatles songs, but it was still a number one hit for him. And so for Stevie Wonder to take it and just make it so much better um, was, it's just remarkable, but yeah, it's great. And if you haven't heard it, I mean, definitely check it out. I think pretty much everyone probably has heard. If you're into music at all, you've probably heard the Beatles version for sure. But the Stevie Wonder version is absolutely uh, worth checking out and will definitely take the place of the Beatles version on, yeah, on whatever so playlist too. or mixtape you have that has the Beatles version <laughs> on it. I think so too. And Stevie Wonder has made an appearance on, on our show a number of times um, with reason. I mean, he was, is a just incredibly talented musician. So, um, all right. With that, let's move on to the next track. So this one, I think we might have a disagreement of, of cover versus original. We'll see. But you went with um, Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, and of course the original by Bruce Springsteen. Yes. 
Had to get a Springsteen <laughs> track on here, of course. Naturally, um, yep. yep. Yeah, this was released on his debut album. This is the opening track to Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey in 1973. Was not a huge hit until 1977 when Manfred Mann took it and um, just really like transformed the song. Like The two songs sound nothing right. alike. Um, but it is a very personal song lyrically to Bruce Springsteen. Um, but he kind of joked that you know, he laughs at the the Manfred Mann's version is notorious that when they say revved up like a deuce, it kind of sounds like revved up like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> and Springsteen likes to joke that the song didn't become popular until the lyrics were changed to reference a feminine product. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So he fully recognizes that Manfred Mann's version is the uh, is the more popular one. But, um, you know, I like the uh, Springsteen's version is a little bit more straightforward and, and kind of stripped down. And uh, I, I kind of prefer that one over the Manfred Mann version. But I love the song either way. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a great song. Um, both of them definitely stand on their own. I think I would have to pick the, the Manfred Mann's version. Um, in fact, so again, uh, when we, you know, I was running through these songs and, and Sarah was like, she bet that you were going to put this particular song um, by Bruce <laughs> on here in the cover. And she also likes the, the you know, the Manford um, version as well. So um, it was good. I knew it was going to be an interesting discussion as, as we got on here. But either one is good. You know, what was interesting to me listening to the Bruce one is that, and I, I probably need to listen to the whole album, but it almost sounded like Counting Crows to me. Does it? Did you? Do you get that listening to him in that song? Yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. Yeah, if you like, again, it's very lyrically heavy, but it's almost got to feel like uh, Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. Like if I were to mm-hmm. make a yeah. sort of an equivalent song, yes. that that might be it. Where it's just sort of verse after verse of things that sort of rhyme and run together, and yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's a good description of that. Yep. Cool. So now this next track, your pick, I did not realize that the version I was most familiar with was not the original. Uh, So you picked Mad World. The original was by Tears for Fears in 1982, but then Michael Andrews and Gary Jules redid it in 2001, and that's the version that I was more familiar with from the movie Donnie Darko. Right. um, Yeah, talk about this one. Yeah. um, So... I also, I think, was introduced first to the song through Donnie Darko and then realized it was a, a Tears for Fears or TFF, uh, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and <laughs> again, kudos to to these two, to Gary Jules and Michael Andrews for like taking, you know, that original song. If you listen to that original song, I mean, and just kind of like thinking about it in the way that they did and, and again, taking away a lot of the you know the the synth and taking a lot just there's a lot happening in the tears for fears version <laughs> just, that's like the, the only way i can describe it it's <laughs> just like a lot happening it's busy it's very busy it's very yeah exactly it's sonically very busy um and so for them to just kind of like have the creativity to hear that and think you know what this would be like a really haunting beautiful song if it was just set to like piano basically and with like you know and and our vocals um and they did it and it was like it's just absolutely gorgeous and and it reminds me of you know a lot of movies now um and and like westworld i think they did this a lot where you take a pop song 
and you you do it like as like a piano version or like a, an or- orchestral version, and it works so so well. Um, so I think you know I don't know if they were the I doubt they're the first to ever do this, but at least in my mind, like this was one of the first times where it was like, oh my gosh, you take like you know a, a big song that has a lot going on and you just turn it into this like gorgeous kind of acoustic cover. Um, or, you know, like a piano cover or something like that. So loved this version. Also loved Donnie Darko uh, at the time that it came out. Now I look back and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't get it anymore. Like, I think you have to be young. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably worthy of its own podcast episode. But that's a movie that um, it's a little yeah. weird, to say the least. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yes. But but I think with this song, I um, I hated the Tears for Fears, Fears version when I mm-hmm. heard it. I was like, mm-hmm. man, they and and I thought it was the cover, and so I'm listening to it, going, man, they really ruined this song, and then realized that that's their original song. So kudos <laughs> right. to Gary Jules and Michael Andrews for cleaning up a real mess that Tears for Fears left behind. Yeah, exactly. Well done. Um, that's so funny. I I know, and it was so like I love Tears for Fears' other song, like Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That's like my favorite song of theirs. Yeah, that's my favorite Tears for Fears song. Um, but then they also have songs like Shout. That I'm like, I don't, you know, right? I don't care for it. They're real hit or miss for me, you know. I'm either all in or just all out on them, and this wasn't all out. I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's go to the next track here. So you've got "Last Kiss," originally by J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers, and then the cover by Pearl Jam. Um, Talk talk to me about this one. So I figure most listeners are familiar with the Pearl Jam song. So it came out in around 1999 and became a really big hit. And I remember when it started getting on the radio, I was kind of surprised because I remembered the original version. Like I remember listening to like the oldie station when I was younger um, and hearing that song. Um, and they, they kind of really changed it. I, I think what they did, similar to the last track, uh, with Mad World, I feel like Eddie Vedder's voice fits the lyrics of this song a little better. The J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers version, which which was pretty popular in its day, was kind of poppy, like a little little bubblegumish, right? While you're yes. listening to it, and then I think Eddie Vedder does a better job of conveying this just just really sad story in the song. It's tragic, absolutely tragic. I yeah, like this might. This might be one of the earlier memories for me of, of like listening to a song on the radio because um, I listened to the oldies version a lot. I went through a phase in life where I would always have the oldies station on um, when I was a kid and the song would come on and, you know, yeah, like it, it sounds kind of poppy. He, um, you know, has got this like great old timey voice. Like it sounds like an oldies hit, like all the others that you'd be listening to. But then you listen to the lyrics and you realize like, you know, one of the lyrics here is like that painful scream that I heard last. And then he's just talking about oh, how he hopes he can see her again. And, yeah, you know, screeching tires and broken glass. And you're just like, this is this is so macabre. Like, this is <laughs> so tragic. <laughs> well, the original <laughs> version is just so do, 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 right. do. And it's like, wait, are you happy about this? Like, what? Right. what is happening right now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it sounds like it should just be the kind of like a like a love song about two people. Which, yeah. I mean, maybe it is in a way, but it's like it's a pretty messed up story <laughs> about it. Um, so, yes, I agree. I think like the, you know, Eddie Vedder's voice kind of treats that a little bit better. 
But in general, I'm always just so, ever since I realized what those lyrics were about, I'm just so weirded out by this song um, that it's hard for me to pick either one here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these, I think these next two tracks, I, I realized in researching both that there's a third artist version of each one that um, might might have some listeners' ears uh, over the versions we pick. So next up, you had All Along the Watchtower. Now, the original's Bob Dylan. The cover was by Jimi Hendrix. So let's talk about this one. Yes, yeah. Um, and both of these, uh, I mean, just incredible versions. I, I think, you know, the, the Bob Dylan version is, again, just, it's like a quintessential Bob Dylan song, right? It has everything that his original like Dylan work would have, you know, his, his vocals, the storytelling, um, the harmonica play, I mean, everything, right. It's like, it's a Dylan track and it's really, really, really good. And so I just love though, that like, I think the first time I heard the song at all was, was a Hendrix version. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you know, hearing that and then going back and listening to the, the Bob Dylan version, it's like hard for me not to really just love the Hendrix version. I mean, just straight in the beginning, with like his guitar riffs and the drum work and everything that like comes out in you know in the first couple of hits, you're like, yes, this is like this just has that mood to it. Like it just feels like it fits the lyrics better. Like for lack of a, a better explanation, um, and so I, I'm gonna pick the Hendrix version. But both of them are are obviously really good because who can say anything bad about Bob Dylan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly is his original work. Well, in order to be covered, you've got to have a pretty good song to begin with, right? Like it's yes. never like, wow, this was a terrible song lyrically, and, and then somebody turned it into something, right? So, yeah, he gets some credit for sure, but. Yeah, I got to go with the Jimi Hendrix version here. I was shocked to learn. Did did you see how far apart these were released? <laughs> right. Um, no, I don't think I did. I looked up the years for many of the other ones, but not this one. Yeah, they were released six months apart in 1968. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So Bob Dylan That's released crazy. the track, and then Jimi Hendrix, I I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know the sequence of events exactly, but, you know, releases his version six months later. And just completely overtakes the Dylan version. And, you know, wow. the Hendrix version is on all sorts of lists of, you know, best best rock songs, uh, you know, a certain era, all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the standout. I, I mentioned a third artist. I think in recent years, some of our, our younger listeners would probably know that uh, this is a go-to for Dave Matthews Band in concert. And I don't think they've ever put it on one of their albums. But um, this is a song they play quite a bit in concert. So that's uh, cool. Some people may have been introduced to this through Dave Matthews Band. I have not heard that version. I'm I'm sure I could find it. I, I bet it'd be on like YouTube. I'm guessing like him performing that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I have to check that out. Nice. All right. Um, so the other one that you mentioned, you know, having like a third uh, third person here, but. The two songs here on our list are Nothing Compares to You um, by Prince, of course. And then the cover, which I think is is much more well-known, at least that's the one that I knew, which was Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, so Prince wrote this song, but Sinead O'Connor actually released it first in 1990. And Prince's mm, version didn't come out until 1993. Now, who knows if he had recorded, you know, some demos or something prior to that, then decided he didn't want to use the uh, song, but... It's far and away Sinead O'Connor's biggest hit, and of course the iconic music video as well, where it's pretty much right. just 
her face like right there on the screen almost the whole time um so yeah really i I thought that was interesting that he wrote the song and then her version came out first um and i mentioned a third artist more recently chris cornell came out with a version of this song which um is pretty incredible too I, i i i wrote down i think it pushes prince to number three as far as versions of his own song <laughs> that's amazing he wrote a lot of music right i feel like for me in my head the way i categorize prince prince's legacy and i mean he has a tremendous one but i put him i i feel like his his mark was just like was music production and, and writing like i feel like he wrote everyone's music for for his time um in the music industry it's incredible yeah there's a lot of songs out there if i mean we could probably do a whole mixtape on songs that prince wrote um that people probably wouldn't even realize prince had written you know like this yeah one. i mean this one became such a massive hit for sinead o'connor you would never associate sinead o'connor with prince <laughs> right right um, fun little fact that I, I found when I researched this one, she said whenever she sang this song, um, I thought Prince would fall in love with me and it would be all, it would all be lovely, but he was the most frightening human being I've ever met in my life, <laughs> even more frightening than my mother. This, she said this in a 2019 an interview with Belfast uh, Telegraph. <laughs> wow. So that's pretty special. Um, that is so pretty yeah, her special. plans... Her plans to write the song backfired, unfortunately, with Prince. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to sing the song, I mean, oh, goodness. Well, speaking of uh, falling in love, uh, nice little love song coming up next. You've got Such Great Heights. The original was by the Postal Service. And then we had the cover song by Iron and Wine. Yeah, I love the Postal Service version of the song. Um, this one would be really hard if I had to pick either one because I think they both stand on their own. Like they both serve a purpose, which is ideally like, you know, the best case scenario where they both can take the song and depending on like what you're looking for, you can play either one, right? So the the Postal Service version is, you know, amazing. Ben Giver's vocals from Death Cab for Cutie. Um, one of the most amazing albums I think of all time is probably one of my, like if I could do a desert Island album, like mix, it would be, you know, that one. Um, Cause it really only had that one and they would release some singles here and there uh, since then. But anyway, so such great heights is, is gorgeous song. I, I was first introduced to them through garden state, which had an amazing ta- soundtrack. I think we've mentioned it a couple of times before on the show, but then the iron and wine version again, you know, thematically that I keep mentioning this of, of the covers are really love. They took away almost everything that the um, the Postal Service version does. And it's just his vocals with, you know, some guitar play. And it's, it is gorgeous. It's so soft. Like, it really changes the mood of the song. Um, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. Like you're saying, it is just kind of like has this love song feel. So this one, I it, I would pick that they're both winners in a way, uh, which is really cool. Like, they're, they're both just really, really good songs. I agree. I, I kind of prefer the Postal Service version, I think, if I had to pick between the two of them. But I think Iron and Wine kind of created the version that could be the first dance at your wedding versus what the Postal Service right. version was. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it, which is just like a little bit more kind of dancey and electronic or, you know, something like that. So good stuff. Speaking of dancing, really natural segue here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, Our last track here is uh, 
just I love that you you picked this. So yeah. the original is "You Should Be Dancing," of course, by the Bee Gees, who we've mentioned time and time again. Amazing underrated group. Um, and then the cover by the DGs, which is also just a really clever take on on the Bee Gees name. It is fronted by none other than Dave Grohl, DG. Um, so the DGs love that. Kudos to Dave Grohl for for doing a cover of a Bee Gees album. Yeah, and he did a whole album of Bee Gees songs. I guess, I, I guess, and I've never seen the Foo Fighters in concert, but um, you know, I, I've read that for a number of years they will go into covers of Bee Gees songs just amongst their, you know, uh, regular catalog. They'll just kind of slip one in there as artists are, are want to do, right? You, you'll hear them sure. just play something live that they would never record, but they decide to come out with a, a vinyl album this year. And it was brilliantly titled Hail Satin rather than yes. Hail Satan. Um, and so, I love that. Yeah, so the DGs, they came out. And uh, it's just, first of all, this is just a fantastic song. So if you're in a bad mood, just go ahead and roll these two tracks back to back and you're going to be in a good mood. So it's just a really fun song. Uh, the, the original was off the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Um but yeah, I mean the the DGs stay pretty close to the original. Um, they do just yeah. a few tweaks here and there, but um, just a really fun cover song and just a fun concept for uh, Dave Grohl to come out with. I agree, and it's such an earworm. I mean, I've been singing like you should be dancing. I'm not going <laughs> to sing it, but in my head, nonstop. I mean, just nonstop since you sent over your picks. Um, I mean, which again just really speaks to the power of the song that it was released um, so long ago and still can make its way into your into your mind and into your day. So, <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> well, of course, that's not every cover song out there. So, if if we missed anything, if there's a cover song, you know, definitely hit us up on Instagram at Super Awesome Mix and let us know like what cover songs. Uh, we should have included and uh, I imagine this is a mix that we could probably revisit in season two and uh, come up with a, a dozen more great cover songs absolutely in fact as we've been talking I, I just have been like kicking myself because there's so many that I didn't include like Weezer has an entire album the Teal album right that, that covers a bunch of uh, well-known pop songs Metallica just came out with their, um, you know, the anniversary of their Black album where they invited basically every artist on the planet to cover their songs <laughs> <laughs> with some really amazing notable ones on there. So, yes, I think uh, I think a, a covers mix to volume two is, is in our future for sure. Uh, and we, like Matt said, we'd love to hear your suggestions of, of who we should include on there and talk about as well. So look for our Instagram post at, um, on Super Awesome Mix and, and we'll have that discussion there. But for now, this is another great mix to add to your collection. And uh, we'll be back next week with another super awesome mix. So for Samer, this is Matt, and we will see you then. Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop dlmsupplycode.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's dlmsupplycode.com.